You're listening to Love and Marriage, a sermon series about finding and staying in love. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate Church. And I'm so glad that you are joining us uh, today. We're actually going to wrap up this series we've been in now for uh, four weeks called Love and Marriage. Love and Marriage. And what we have said throughout this series is that we know those two things are supposed to go together, right? We know, we know love and marriage are supposed to go together, but unfortunately, when you look around at society today, so many marriages really do seem to be lacking in the love department. Uh, I heard about this man who actually uh, walked into a bar one night, man, and he looked sad. I mean, he looked devastated. His lip was almost quivering, man. He just, he just looked so rough. And he walked into the bar and walked right up to the bartender and he said, bartender, give me something to drink. And man, the bartender couldn't believe how, how sad this man looked, how sad he looked. And so he said, man, are you okay, bud? Why do you look so sad? And the man said, man, me and my wife, we got into a huge fight, huge fight. And she said she wasn't going to talk to me for a month. And so the bartender looks at the man and says, man, I'm really sorry to, to hear about that. And the man said, yeah, me too. Our month's up tonight. Uh, uh, I don't write them. That's funny though, right? That's funny. Hey, I don't care who you are. But anyway, I heard about this woman, you know, they got so mad at her husband, man. She packed up all his bags and said, you got to get out of here. You got to get out of here. And so husband's walking out the door, you know, he's walking out the door. And as he's walking out the door, she yells out to her husband. She says, I hope that you die a slow, long and painful death. Man, the husband turned around and said, so you saying you want me to stay? Just kidding, right? Some of y'all are like, oh my goodness. But that's really how a lot of marriages are, right? So many marriages aren't full of love. They're full of resentment. They're full of anger. They are full of bitterness. And so marriage for so many people really has become something that they hate and that they despise. But I want you to know that that is not God's design for marriage. When God created marriage in Genesis chapter 1 and in Genesis chapter 2, He created it to be something good. He created it to be something wonderful. He created it to, something, to be something really beautiful and amazing and, and really to be a blessing. But for so many people, they can't say that about their marriage. See, studies shows that show that 50% of marriages end in divorce. 50% of marriages end in divorce. So how has something that was created to be so beautiful become something that is so ugly for so many people? How has marriage become something that so many people approach with so much apprehension. I'll tell you why. It's because we've stopped listening to what God's Word says about marriage. We've said over and over and over again in this series that if you will do what God says in regards to marriage, you don't have a 50% chance of success. If you will do what what God's Word says when it comes to marriage, you have a 100% chance of success. And so we need to understand that marriage only works properly when it is done God's way. And so my prayer really has been for the married people in the room, for the couples, for the people who are thinking about getting married again, because we get so many prayer requests about marriage, about relationships. My prayer has been that you have heard something, that you have learned something that really will help you in your marriage. It will help your marriage to be the blessing that God intends for it to be. And so today, the way I want to end this series is I want to talk to you about growing together, about growing together, about growing together instead of growing 
apart, growing together instead of growing to part. See, I've been in ministry now for 18 years, for 18 years, and one of the things that I've heard so many couples say is that we've just grown apart We've just grown apart. They'll, they'll say things like through the years, you know, life has happened and things were going well for a while. But, but unfortunately, we, we've just grown apart. Not, I, I, we just don't love each other anymore. Maybe you've heard somebody say that uh, about their spouse. Maybe you yourself have said that about your spouse. And so how do we make sure that that doesn't happen for us? How do we grow together instead of growing apart? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. And in fact, I want to give you three ways that you and I grow together with our spouses. Three ways. If you're not married, I'm telling you, you need to know these things, okay? Here's what's wild. It's like, you know, we, you can, it's really easy for people to get married, right? They just go down to the, to the, to the what do you call it? The, I don't even know, the county courthouse or whatever. You just apply for one and they're like, here you go. We're just not prepared though, right? So I'm telling you, these things will help you prepare for marriage. Even if you're not married, these things will help you. So the first way, first thing, if you want to grow together that I want you to see is you need to be spirit-filled. You need to be spirit-filled. And I know what some people are thinking. They're thinking, oh, yeah, Pastor, that's the only way me and my wife get along. We got to have a little spirit in us, right? We got to get a little drink and drink. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about those kinds of spirits, right? I'm talking about the Holy Spirit of God, that's what I'm talking about. See, see, let me show you some. Let me show you some some mathematics of marriage. How many of y'all think you're smart? If you're sitting next to somebody, raise their hand. Say nobody likes you. I'm just kidding, right? Nobody likes you. I'm just kidding, but seriously. All right, so I I, I got kind of upset this past week. I got a buddy I went to high school with, and he posted online how proud he was of his kid. His eighth grader made a 27 overall on their ACT. Isn't that amazing? Man, a 35 on the science, you know what I mean? Look, I was in high school. I took the ACT three different times. I made a 19 every time. My mom was so proud I got a scholarship, the M-tag, you know what I mean? Anybody get that M-tag? Right, I got that M-tag, right? But anyway, so I wasn't really that smart, but he's so smart. So we like people, can, is this going to blind y'all if I do this right here? I'm gonna, I want to give y'all, I want to see if y'all know these answers, okay? These are marriage, the mathematics of marriage. Let me do it like this. All right, see if y'all know what this is. Two plus one. Don't say it yet. How many of y'all think you know this? Raise your hand if you think you know it. <laughs> Come on now. Raise your hand if you think you know this. What's the answer? No. This is marriage mathematics. Two plus one equals one. Okay? And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what in the common core is going on here? Right? <laughs> Man, our pastor really is from Pearl. He really did make a 19 on the ACT. But yeah, bear with me. This really does. This two plus one. Marriage mathematics, two plus one equals one. Okay, two plus one. Two people who have invited the Holy Spirit into their marriage, guess what that equals? It equals one. It equals one. All right, because when, and then let, let's do some more ma marriage mathematics. Let's see if y'all get it, right? So y'all with me? Y'all like, man, that's deep, man. Don't. So watch this. Two minus one equals what? Have, some, some, right, it equals two. This is what this means, okay? Two people minus the Holy Spirit, guess what it equals? Still two people. Still two people. 
people. That's simple marriage mathematics. So if you go to school tomorrow and your teacher puts that on the board, be like, oh, yeah, I know the answer. And then when they say, no, that's not right, you say, yes, it is. My pastor said so, okay? All right, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I want you to understand. I want you to understand that you can't really love your spouse unless you've invited the Holy Spirit into your life. You, 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 really, you really can't. You cannot really love without God. You can't because God is love. Check out this verse in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. Here's what the Bible says about God. It says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. All right, so look at that verse. Try it again. So God is what? God is love. And whoever lives in love, whoever lives in love only is able to do so. Why? Because God lives in them. What this illustrates to me is that love isn't something. Love is someone. Love is someone. Think about it. People all the time will tell you they love you. You ever had somebody tell you they love you? Come on, young people. I know what you, you, you're in high school, you're in school or whatever, and you got somebody that you love. I know what I'm talking about. And so maybe it's like it's lunchtime, and they want your chocolate milk. So what do you do? You love them so much, what do you give them? You give them that chocolate milk, right? When it's school pizza day, you love them so much, but you don't love them that much. You keep in your school pizza. That stuff's good, right? You know what I'm talking about? But people will tell you all the time, I love you, I love you, and then they'll leave you. That's not love. People will tell you all the time, I love you, but then they will leave you. That is not love. See, if God is love, if God is love and he is, Hebrews 13.5 tells us a little more about what that looks, at, looks like. And here's what it says, God will never, never, God never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. That's love. That's love. You need to know that when God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, you need to know that God means that. God doesn't say, well, let me see how you do for a couple days before I decide whether or not I'm going to commit to myself. God doesn't say, let me see how you make me feel for a little while and then I'll, I'll decide whether or not I'm going to commit to you. God says, I'm so committed to you. It doesn't matter what you do. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. That's love. That's what love looks like. It's unconditional. That's why when we say our wedding vows, they are written in such a way as to, as to really communicate that to us. Think about it. I'll promise I will love you for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health until we are parted by death. Well, if you're actually going to be able to keep those vows, you need to know that you need the Holy Spirit of God to help you keep those vows. See, here's the thing. You can disagree with me all you want. You can be wrong. But here's the thing. This, I mean, seriously, the capacity to love really comes from outside of us. The capacity to love is not within you and it's not within me. Not in and of ourselves. You, you need to understand that. I want you to look at this. In Galatians chapter 5, Here's what, here's what Galatians chapter 5 says about us, about our bodies, about our flesh, about who we are. It says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, 
discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. It says, it says all these things right here. That, that's, that's what your flesh looks like. That's what you and I look like in and of ourselves. You see how jacked up we are? Look at your neighbor and say, man, you jacked up. Don't say that to your wife if she's sitting beside you. Say it to the other person, right? We're jacked up. That's why Paul says we need the Holy Spirit. And look at what he says about the Holy Spirit in verse 22. Look at what he says. This is amazing. In verse 22, Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the what? Spirit. The fruit of the flesh is not love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The Holy Spirit is what produces real authentic love in our lives. If you still need further convincing that love in and of itself is not in you, you need to think about it like this. When God created Adam in the garden, when God created Adam in the garden, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, right? Well, that wasn't oxygen that God breathed into him. It was the Holy Spirit. And I can prove it to you. Check this verse out. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Here's what the Bible says. And the Lord God commanded the man... You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So what, what did God say would happen to the man if he ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? What did he say would happen? You will, you will certainly die. That's what he said. You will certainly die. Well, well, did Adam eat of the tree? Yes. Did he certainly die? Well, well, well yeah, but, but it wasn't a physical death, right? He didn't die physically. You know what he did? What happened? He died spiritually. The Holy Spirit left mankind in Genesis chapter 3. And then three chapters later, in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says that the whole earth is evil and corrupt and that God regrets that he has made mankind. That's what happens when you don't have the Holy Spirit. That's why our marriages get jacked up is because we haven't let the Holy Spirit in it. We simply cannot function properly without the Holy Spirit. And when God created Adam, and when God created Eve, and when God created marriage, He created those things to be filled with His Holy Spirit. He created those things to depend upon His Holy Spirit. So if you want to grow together instead of growing apart, what you need to make sure is that you and your spouse are Spirit-filled. You need to do everything you can to ensure that that happens. Be Spirit-filled. The second thing that I want you to see if you want to make sure that you're going to grow together and not grow apart is you need to never make emotional decisions. You need to never make emotional decisions. How many of y'all know somebody who's always making emotional decisions? Ooh, girl, that ain't good. Do you know that, did you know that studies show that 86% of marriages that end in divorce, 86%, 86% of marriages that end in divorce, end in divorce for non-severe reasons. Non-severe reasons. It's not abuse that caused the divorce. It's not adultery that caused the divorce. It, it, it's not for any of the biblical reasons given for divorce. What happens is one or both of the parties just refuses to change. 86% of marriages that end in divorce do so in the heat of a moment. In the heat of a moment. 
couples split up because of an emotional decision instead of fact. Instead of fact. See, the truth is, in marriage, you might have a bad day. You might have a bad week. You might have a bad month. You might have a bad year. You might have a couple years of bad. But you stick together because it's worth it. You stick together because it's worth it. You don't split up as an emotional response. Do you know that the devil dwells with people who are led by their emotions? Do you know that? The devil dwells with people who are led by their emotions. It's true. See, we have some people who will say, well, this is the way I feel. This, this is, I just got such a strong, I just got such a strong feeling. Anybody ever said something like that? And then somebody was, well, how can something be so wrong if it feels so right? Well, why don't you ask David that? See, David in the Bible was known as, oftentimes known as a man after God's own heart, Right? But you need to know that when he let his emotions and his feelings lead his life, that's when he got in trouble. One day he was walking out on the top of his palace, and he looked out, and he saw a girl bathing, a beautiful woman. Man, she had the aroma candles going. She had Casey and JoJo going on her Spotify account. I will never find another lover more sweeter than you. You know what I'm talking about? Know? Man, it was playing. He, he saw the candles smell smelled him, he heard the music, and she was all lathered up, and he got a feeling. And he said, ooh. He said, man, I got a feeling. I need to sleep with that woman. Had a feeling. Never mind the fact that he was married. Never mind the fact that she was married. Never mind any of that. He got a feeling, and he said, I need to sleep with that woman. And he did. He slept with that woman, and then he tried to cover up the affair by having her husband killed. It felt so right. But folks, it was so wrong. Wrong. What I want you to know is that you can have some strong feelings in your marriage sometimes, and those strong feelings can still be very, very wrong. Feelings are fickle. Feelings are unpredictable. Feelings change. That's why every married couple needs ice cream in their freezer. If you are ever feeling bad, go get some ice cream. That will make you feel better. Ice cream, you scream. We all scream for ice cream. Amen? Amen. Amen will make, ice cream will make you feel better. Get you some ice cream. Don't trust your feelings. They change. But you know what never changes? The Word of God. The Word of God never changes. So if you base your actions and your reactions off of the Word of God, you're going to be in a good spot. Don't base, don't base your decisions off of emotion. In fact, let me, how many people are married today? Anybody married today? How many people want to get married one day? Ooh, I hope I can find somebody. All right. So let me, let me if you're keeping notes, you want to write these down. I'm going to give you 10 decisions, 10 decisions that you need to pre-make with your spouse. 10 decisions you need to go ahead and decide we're going to do these things. If you're married right now, you need to be able to write these things down and go home this afternoon and talk with your spouse and say, we're going to make, pre-make this, these decisions. Number one, they're going to be on the screen because they are important. Number one, divorce is not an option. We're going to be married forever because divorce is not an option. Listen to me, threatening divorce, even in the heat of an argument, man, that's not okay. That word needs to be banned from every marriage. Because when you say it, it, it weakens a marriage. It instills fear. 
It puts distance between the husband and wife. You need to decide, you know what? We're not going to get divorced. We're either going to work out our problems or we're going to be two miserable old people. It's just not happening. You need to pre-make that decision. Divorce is not an option. Number two, real quick, trying to get through these because I know uh, we got to go home. Number two, decision you need to pre-make with your spouse is we will not go to bed angry. We will not go to bed angry. Let me show you something in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 27. Here's what the Bible says. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. Why? And do not give the devil a foothold. I want you to see this. The danger of going to bed angry with your spouse is that it gives the devil a foothold. See, let's face it. Our spouses are not our enemy. We think they are. We have an enemy, a very real enemy. His name is Satan. That is our enemy. And he's very real. He's very crafty. He is a manipulator. And what happens to us sometimes is that the devil will come along and the devil will give us a thought. He'll put a thought in our mind like, I can't believe they talked to you like that. I can't believe that they did that. I can't believe they act that way. I can't believe that. He'll give you those thoughts and you'll think that they're your own thoughts. You'll think they're your own and you'll start to hold a grudge. But listen to me, if you are a grudge holder, you're under the influence of Satan. You are under the influence of the devil. Do not give the devil a foothold. Do not go to bed angry. The third decision that you need to pre-make with your spouse is this, never agree to disagree. Never agree to disagree. See, when you marry, guess what happens? You become one, a team of one. You become one. So when you agree to disagree, when that's what you decide you're going to do, you are creating separation in your oneness. Well, we're going to agree on everything except for this, this one thing. That's separation. That is separation. You have to come to agreements on major life decisions. If you cannot come to agreement on major life decisions, you need to seek godly counsel. Godly counsel from godly people. That way you know it's coming from God's truth and not worldly ways. The number four thing that you and I need to pre-make, the pre-made decisions we make with our spouse is this. We're going to celebrate each other's differences. We're going to celebrate each other's differences. I talk to people sometimes, and they'll be talking about their spouse, and they're so frustrated, and they'll say something like, we're just too different. Anybody know somebody who's ever said something like that? Not you. I know nobody in this room has ever said that. But we're just too different. Well, duh. You're different. I mean, the great theologian Paula Abdu said, we come together. Why? Because opposites attract, right? That's why we, we come together, because we are different. I'm glad Amanda, my wife, is different than me. I wasn't trying to marry another one of me, and she wasn't trying to marry another one of her. We are different. She likes love movies. I like movies where people die and things blow up. We're different. She likes to read. I can hardly read. We are, we're different, just like you and your spouse. If you are married, if, if, if you're, man, if you're going to marry somebody, they're not going to be just like you. You don't want them to be just like you. If they're just like you, one of you is unnecessary. 
right? Celebrate each other's differences. God made them that way. Celebrate the uniqueness that they are. Celebrate it. Number five, the number five uh, decision you need to pre-make with your spouse is that we'll allow honesty without punishment. We'll allow honesty without punishment. Give each other the right to complain. If your spouse comes to you with an issue and all you want to do is attack them for coming to you, they don't have the problem. You do. You do. Your spouse should be able to come to you with an issue or a problem and feel like they can be open with you. Spouses, I want you to ask yourself, husbands, is there something your wife doesn't feel like she can come and talk to you about because she's afraid of how you're going to respond? Wives, same way for you. Is there something that your husband really wants to tell you about yourself, maybe about the way you treat him, but he just really doesn't feel comfortable doing it because he's afraid of how you will respond? Again, if Amanda has a problem in our marriage, she should be able to come to me without fear. She should be able to come to me the same way she would go to a customer relations counter in a department store, and I don't respond with her with an attitude. I don't say, well, just take a number. I'll get to you whenever I can. I'm like, honey, welcome to store Robert and the Department of Love. How can I make things right? And whatever she says, I need to do it. You know why? Because the customer is always right. The customer is always right. Number six, decision you need to pre-make with your spouse is that we will be sexually and emotionally faithful to each other. We will be sexually and emotionally faithful to each other. This is serious. I want you to see what God's word says about this, okay? In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, check it out. It says, marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. It doesn't say God might judge, does it? It says God, God will judge. Hebrews 13, 5, a verse we've already looked at, says that, hey, God promises never to leave us and never to forsake us. That word leave has to do with physically. That word forsake has to do with emotions. Did you know that you can be sitting next to someone physically that you have left emotionally? You can be sitting next to somebody physically who, who you have forsaken, who you have turned your heart against. And maybe that's you today. Maybe that's how you feel. Well, God said again, there's never a moment in eternity where he turns his heart away from us. He will never leave us and he will never forsake us. Think about the grossest thing, the worst thing you have ever done in regards to sin. God saw it and he didn't turn his heart away from you. He didn't. He's so committed to us that he doesn't turn his heart away. Adultery begins when we turn our heart away from our spouse. It doesn't happen because you've met somebody who's attractive. It happens because you have turned your heart away from your spouse. That's why you need to make this pre-made decision that you know what? We're going to be faithful to one another emotionally and sexually. Even through the hard times, even through the difficult times, no matter what, we're not turning our heart away from one another. The seventh decision you need to pre-make with your spouse is this. Always be connected to a local church and make godly friends. Always be connected to a local church and make godly friends. Listen to me. 
Did you know that divorces and adultery, they, they run in groups? Did you know that? Usually, people who are hanging out with people who are getting divorced, you know what, what's right down the road for them? Usually, when people are hanging out with people who are committing adultery, you know what's right down the road for them? Again, it runs in groups. And so you want and you need friends that are going to encourage you to do the right thing. You want people who are going to encourage you to do the right thing even when it's difficult. This world will encourage you to do the wrong thing always. Always. So connect to the church. Connect to others who have the same values as you. Surround yourself with people who have high regard for marriage and also for the vows that you have taken. It's important. Number eight on the list of pre-decisions you need to make is you need to say, hey, we're going to make all our decisions together. We're going to make all our decisions together. Remember, Adam and Eve, they're both different, but they're both equal. And in marriage, we are partners. You, you, we're, we're, we're partners. You, you say, you know what? I'm not going to make a big decision without talking to my significant other. You know, that's also how you grow in intimacy and in inner closeness is by making decisions together. That, that's, that's really, that's really what, what you do. That's how we grow together. If you are making decision, decisions separate, you're going to end up separated. If you're making decisions separately, you're going to end up being separate. Number nine, I'm trying to hurry. Y'all still with me? Okay. Mom, thanks. Uh, she's here somewhere. Uh, number nine. Uh, pre-decisions, here we go. Uh, prioritize our spouse. Prioritize our marriage above everything else. Prioritize our marriage above everything else. You need to understand that your relationship with your spouse is the most important earthly relationship that you will ever have. Treat it that way. Number 10, uh, uh, our marriage is a covenant based on sacrificial Christ-like love and not on feelings of convenience or comfort. Let me say that again. Marriage is a covenant based is is covenant based on sacrificial Christ-like love and not on feelings of convenience or comfort. Here's what you need to understand. You will have difficulty in marriage. You will. That's why the vows that you take are for better or for worse. It amazes me when couples start to have problems and they're like shocked. I'm like, "Dude, you signed up for this." For better or for worse, marriage is not based off of feelings. It is based off of covenant. This is amazing. Uh, please stay with me. How did God create Eve? He made Eve by cutting Adam. He cut Adam and he took a rib and he made Eve. Then he closed up the flesh at that place. Why did God do that? Why didn't God just create Eve out of the dust like he did Adam. Couldn't God have done that? Why did God do that? Because God was creating a covenant. He was creating a covenant between Adam and Eve. And every time there is an, a, co a covenant in the Bible, there has to be blood. There has to be blood. So marriage is a sacrificial, permanent, covenant relationship. It's sealed in blood. Sealed in blood. It's not a relationship of convenience. It's not a relationship of, of just ease and comfort. There will be pain. There will be pain. 
the number one reason for divorce is disappointment. People get married and they're just disappointed in the spouse. Just disappointed. They didn't live up to the expectations that I had for them. Well, Jesus is pretty clear that on this earth, you're going to have many trials, many troubles, many disappointments. But he says, hey, take heart because I have overcome the world. And, and he hasn't left us alone in this earth. He hasn't left us alone on this earth. I want you to see what, what he says in John chapter 16. He says something, man, that's just totally weird. At least it is to me. John chapter 16, verse 7. Check it out. He says this, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Can you imagine Jesus saying that to you? Oh, it'll be better for you for me not to be here. How many of y'all want some Jesus in your life all day, every day, right? That's what I want. But he says, it'll be better for you if I go away. Why does he say that? He says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. What's, that's the helper. Seems like we heard that in the, in, the, in the garden. God said, let me make what? A helper who is like him. Yeah, the helper will not come to you, but if I go away, I will send him to you. Who in the world is this helper that Jesus is talking about? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, again, that allows us to love our spouses sacrificially. It's the Holy Spirit that allows us to live in a covenant marriage. Again, where we say, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I won't leave you physically, and I will not turn my heart away from you emotionally. Man, do not make decisions, emotional decisions in your marriage. That's, that's how you ruin your marriage. So, number three, third thing. Here's how, you, here's how you grow together and not apart. The third thing, discover God's purpose for the two of you being together. Discover God's purpose for the two of you being together. See, there is a reason, if you're married, there's a reason why God has the two of you together. There's a reason. When God put Adam and Eve together, there was a reason for it happening. He had a purpose for doing it. I want you to think about it. Long before God created government, long before God created nations, he created marriage. He created marriage. Marriage is the foundation of society. It's the foundation of society. That's why Satan attacked the marriage between Adam and Eve. He did. He rolls up to Eve and he makes her an offer. Why don't you eat this? Why don't you eat this? And instead of Eve saying, hey, this is a pretty big decision. I probably ought to talk this over with my husband. You know what she thought? I don't need Adam. I can make this decision myself. That's what she thought. And Adam, instead of listening to what God had already told him, God warned Adam of this. I want you to see it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Look what the Bible says. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Let them have dominion. That's a violent word means to subjugate by force. That's what it actually means, to rule over every creeping thing. Every creeping thing. God warned Adam, Satan's going to try to creep in. You don't, need to let him you don't need to let him do it. And then you get to Genesis chapter 3, and it, what happens? Here comes the serpent creeping in. Adam should have done something, but he thought, I don't need a woman. 
See, chauvinism, feminism, and individualism were all born in the garden. And because of that, Adam and Eve are cursed. Their children are cursed. One of their kids kills another one of their kids. Then you get three chapters later, and the entire earth again is corrupt and full of evil. As marriage goes, so society goes. We've, we've looked at this statistic every week, but in 1930, 83% of adult Americans were married. 83%. Now, less than half, 49% of adult Americans are married. Look at our society. Don't you see the moral decay that's happening? America is full of individualism, chauvinism, feminism. Again, as marriage goes, so society goes. If you're married, you need to understand that God put you and your spouse together for a reason, for a purpose. And if me and my wife don't become together, we don't become at all. We don't become at all. Again, we got to discover the reason why God put us together. Here's why God put Adam and Eve together. He's pretty clear. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Here's what the Bible says. And I'm wrapping up. It says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. <coughs> Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So let's watch this. God looks at Adam and Eve. He looks at this married couple. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Man, this, is, this really is beautiful. Because think about this. What's God saying here? Adam and Eve were made in the image of and likeness of God. It wasn't that God was saying, hey, send out a whole bunch of kids all over the earth. Just put people everywhere. That's not what God was saying. Again, Adam and Eve were made in the image and likeness of God. And so what God wanted was for Adam and Eve to fill the earth with his image, with more of his likeness, with his presence and listen to me if you don't if you don't know any other purpose for you and your spouse being together you need you need to know this that God has put you two together so that you can fill this earth with his image and his likeness no matter wherever the two of you go people should be able to look at you and say I see the image and likeness of God I see the image and likeness of God in both of you, in your marriage. See, that's what he wants to fill this earth with. He wants his kingdom to grow because the two of you are together. Don't grow apart. Don't grow apart. Grow together. Again, God wants this earth to be different because you and your spouse are together. And so marriage really is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's an amazing thing. If you're married, my prayer is that you really do feel that way about your marriage. If not, I pray that you will begin to feel that way. 
And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, here's what I know. I know oftentimes we hurt the people that we love the most. I know oftentimes, oftentimes we really can just be ugly to the person that God sent to help us. And so I just want to pray a prayer of blessings over the marriages that are here. If you're married today, I just want to ask that you would just raise your hand. I'm not asking you to indicate there's any kind of issues going on, but I'm just asking you to raise your hand that you're married. Father, I want to pray for these individuals who had their hands raised. Father, I pray that you would do great things in their marriage. I pray that these individuals, I pray that these individuals would come to know marriage the way that you want it to be. That it would be good, that it would be great, that it would be wonderful, that it would really be a blessing. Father, I pray that husbands and wives would become together. I pray because your Holy Spirit is living inside each and every one of them, Father, that they would be blessed and be blessed abundantly. Father, may this world be different because of the marriages that are represented in this room. Father, help us. Help us, Father, to truly love one another the way that you command us to. You can put your hand down. We're continuing to pray, though. But I wonder if you're here today and you don't know Christ. Maybe you've done some pretty gross things in your life when it comes to sin. Again, I want you to know that God promises, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He's committed to you. And he's got you here this morning because he wants you to know. He wants, he wants you to know he loves you. He wants you to come home. He wants you to, to just embrace him. He wants you to be saved. And so if you're here today and you know you need to give him your heart and your life and you want to be saved, you want to change today, I'm going to ask that you pray this prayer right where you are. Father, forgive me for all of my sin. Thank you for loving me. Even when I might have been unlovable to other people. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. And today I confess Christ as Lord. I confess Christ as Savior. And I pray, Father, that you would mold me into a new person into the person that you want me to be. And I pray that as I go out, your image and likeness would fill every place that I go. Thank you for saving me. Again, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, but if you prayed to receive Christ today, I'm just going to ask that you raise your hand so I know God is working. Amen, amen, amen. Three people, amen. Thank you, Father, for new life. Thank you, Father, for salvation. Thank you, Father, for marriage. I pray that you would continue to bless us. We pray in Jesus' name.